0: Hello and welcome to the Nursing Standard podcast. I'm Claire Lomas, a career development editor at RCNi, and this episode is all about building confidence in the workplace. So why this is so important, both for patient care and your own career development? How building confidence can help you in areas such as raising concerns and overcoming imposter syndrome. And we will also have some top tips from senior nurses on the steps you can take to build your confidence in the workplace. This is a recording from a panel discussion at one of our careers and jobs fairs in London. Today I am joined by Pippa Clark, who is the Lead Nurse for Safe Staffing at University Hospitals of Leicester, NHS Trust, and Julie Roy, Head of Primary Care Nursing at East London. And also, as you're all aware, I assume, our RCN nurse of the year 2023. So thank you very much to Pippa and Julie for joining us today. And we're here to talk about building confidence in the workplace. So what we mean by confidence and uh, why that's so important with some good tips and advice on how you can do this. So if we just start, um, if I can come to you first, Julie, what do we mean when we say confident? Because I think people sometimes think that... um, it can be a negative word because they don't understand the difference between confident and overconfident. So what do you think we mean by confidence?
1: Oh, for me, um, I think that is one of the things that we need to be careful of is that overconfidence. Confidence Confidence is about being open and willing to take on um, some challenges that may be happening at work, open to your manager, to take on different work streams that there are. Um, And I think it's about having good, clear communication and presenting yourself in the right way.
0: Would you agree with that, Pippa?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: (laughs) And um, so the acoustics are a bit strange here, you know, aren't they? Yeah. I feel like my voice is quite uh, echoey, so excuse me if I'm speaking a bit strangely. Um, also, so why do nurses need to be confident in the workplace? So if I can ask you that, Pippa, what? why do we need to be confident? So why do nurses need to be able to sort of stand up for themselves and speak out?
2: I think it's absolutely essential we have the ability to speak out, not only for ourselves and our colleagues, but our patients also. It's also within the NMC code. So we're looking at having that ability, again, to raise concerns if you feel that patient safety may be affected. So sometimes in our profession, it's not really a question of can I, can't I. You must be able to raise concerns. Um, and that's very much ingrained into our profession from our very NMC code of conduct.
0: Absolutely, so would you agree, Julie, that confident nurses are more able to speak out, maybe, and raise concerns? Yes, I will, because
1: I think that a lot of the time, when we look, and I I don't want to focus on this too much, but the medical profession, there, there is a confidence that comes with it just naturally. And I think for us as nurses, sometimes we cower away from that and think, you know, back in the day, just the, the maid. No way. Absolutely not. You have a voice, and if you see something, you should be able to speak about it. But not just that. I think it's important for us as nurses not just to always rely on the doctor, especially within your areas of specialism. You should know Um, certain procedures and medications and what should happen with that patient. Because sometimes that's really encouraging. Um, When we come to the doctors like that and say, this is what we think should happen, they're like, brilliant, thank you. Because they've been bombarded with a lot of things. So when we're showing that we can speak up, it helps the whole team.
0: That's a really key point, isn't it, about being able to, to speak up and hold your own, really, with um, colleagues in other disciplines, particularly medical colleagues, maybe. Um, would you agree with that, Pippa, that um, speak, you know, more confident nurses, it helps with your relationships with colleagues?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's really When we think about it, it's getting it right for patients, isn't it? And I know that's a bit cliche, but patients do come first. That's why we're going to work. But I think it's really important, as Julie picks up, that actually we can all feel very overwhelmed in our jobs. And therefore, one of our colleagues might have missed something. And then you'll just go in and go, oh, actually, I think we've prescribed that particular medication wrong. I've never seen it in that dosage before. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for letting me know. I've that completely slipped my mind. So it is absolutely a um, necess- necessity in our roles.
0: Yeah, and I think the, diff- the, the opposite of that is that if people don't speak out, like you've both said, it's a huge risk to patient safety. So this isn't just about um, doing it for your own self or even... It's, at the bottom line, it's about improving patient care, and it could be risky, if obviously, if nurses don't feel safe to speak out. So... What kind of things can nurses do to become more confident, shall we say? So, for example, should they look for a coach or a mentor? What would you say, Julie?
1: Yes, definitely. um, I would say, and I spoke to somebody just quickly um, after the talk, to say if you are going in a particular direction, I think it's important that somebody sees your vision with you because that's what helps you to bring your voice to the forefront. As I said, not all the time you always... I was very shy, um, and I would stay in the back. Even though I knew exactly what I was doing, somebody could see it. But for us to find our voice, sometimes we need that coach or that mentor who's able to bring all of that good stuff to the forefront and say, This is how you should be moving and the direction you should be going.
0: And how can people find a coach or mentor? So who should they approach? Is there any sort of particular way of doing it?
2: I tend to always advise go a little bit further afield for your coach and mentor. Try not to keep it within that same place of work because there might be preconceived ideas. If you're going to discuss someone, for example, they'll already know who they are. When when your coach or mentor works in a different area of the trust, they won't know the same people and therefore reflection is a lot more easier and they'll give you tactics as well to overcome those barriers. That would be my best advice. Try, try to think a little bit further um, about your coaches and mentors. I don't know if you'd agree. No, I agree with that.
1: I also think
2: um, to
1: keep, when you are working with your coach or mentor, it's, I think it's that personal one-to-one space. It's private, um, but it's about your personal career um, direction and progression. So having that mentor, maybe not working within your establishment, but somebody that you can get proper guidance for, that would be really helpful to, for you to find your voice.
0: Thank you. So a coach is very different to your line manager, isn't it? It's someone who's there to support you and have confidential conversations in a safe space, so you can be honest. And you like you say, you could talk about issues, that you may not be able to talk about if they work in the same place as you. So you get more out of the relationship, I suppose. And I think one of the most important things when it comes to confidence is our knowledge, our knowledge base, isn't it? So if you're confident in your clinical knowledge or your knowledge about whatever area, you're going to be able to stand up more. So would you say, Pippa, that improving your, your knowledge in your specialist area, for example, is important? 100%,
2: and it relates to the respect from your colleagues as well. So I often use a phrase, um, competence and confidence. So sometimes in your careers, you'll meet people who are so confident but have very limited competence. So it's really important that you kind of get those together. When you're very skilled in your field, you will have even more confidence. That's really useful. But actually, even if you've just started in a new area, you still have a voice, and you should still feel that you can ask a silly question. Um, and that's really, really important. And sometimes the reaction that you get won't be the one that you want. So it'll be like, that is a silly question. You should know that already. Did you not learn that in your nurse training? So again, think about who you're asking that question to. I tend to always have that kind of mentality of no question's a silly question. I'd much rather you ask me than you didn't. Um, And I think we need to develop that culture as well. And that's from kind of a line management mentor um, uh, role that we definitely need to make sure people feel safe enough to talk to us.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's key, isn't it? Nursing is a safety-critical profession. So if you don't work within a culture where questions are encouraged, then there's something wrong with that culture. Would you agree with that, Julie?
1: Yes, I do. I mean, I was just sort of like musing on what, what Pip has said about the silly question, and I think sometimes in regards to that, it's us trying to protect ourselves from everybody else, and we're talking about confidence. Mm. And any question, it doesn't matter, in that area, it should be, oh, you should know that by now. Clearly, you don't. So if you don't, why am I then reinforcing, yes, that is a silly question. And I think that's some of the things that we've got to be careful of, that we're reflecting maybe our own insecurities on somebody else. It's not a silly question. We, we shouldn't even say it, but I know we, we do. Yeah. Because of our insecurities of someone saying, you should have known that. You don't. You've asked. Fine. Now I say to you, go and find it in the BNF or wherever it is to get your answer, and you feel confident with that. Yeah.
0: Absolutely, and I think that's particularly key, isn't it, for newly registered nurses. Do we have any newly registered nurses in the audience? Congratulations, <laughs> well done. You've come through training during COVID, no doubt. That is, that is a mean feat, well done. And it, it must be very difficult going from being a senior nursing student to the novice in the workplace. And I work with a lot of uh, newly registered nurses who say that It is, obviously. It's terrifying, and they do want to feel as though they can go to people and ask questions, because they're not going to know everything at that stage in their career. But that brings us on to something else as well, which we'd like to discuss, which is a little thing called imposter syndrome. Now, I work, as I said, with the newly registered nurses I work with. They talk a lot about experiencing imposter syndrome, and it can be quite debilitating. But then... Nurses at every stage of their career can imper- experience imposter syndrome. Syndrome, sorry. Would you agree with that?
2: Pippa? Yeah, absolutely. And if I share with you all in the room, every time I have a new role, for about the first six months, I'll sit there going, "Oh, can they all see through me? Do they all know that I don't have a clue right now?" But it grows steadily, and that's really, really important. Um, so So it's very real. I think actually to acknowledge that the research behind imposter syndrome says it sits more so with women than it does men And that's quite interesting. And there's other research that suggests when you're looking at jobs, women tend to spend more time on the job description, do I meet that job specification, whereas our male counterparts might go, I'm just going to apply. And so it's a really interesting dynamic between both genders on how we respond to both imposter syndrome, whether or not we go for a promotion or not. And that's quite fascinating. Fascinating, really, I
0: find it. Absolutely. Apparently, imposter syndrome is a persistent feeling of being unworthy of the status or success you have achieved. Now, I think we all experience that to some extent, don't we? But it says that this is an article that we published about imposter syndrome in Nursing Standard, which I can give you the details for. People with imposter syndrome struggle with accurately attributing their performance to their competence. They may see their successes down to luck, or having received help from others, and they also see setbacks as evidence of their professional inadequacy. Now, I think that explanation, the reason I read that out is fascinating, isn't it? Because I think that a lot of nurses can probably relate to that. So, how can nurses overcome, Julie, their syndrome? or what kind of things can people do?
1: I think, you know, the things that you can do is start to, first of all, acknowledge that I feel like an imposter we are looking at nursing, but I think that every every single person in this whole world has imposter syndrome, um, and we all feel like we're kind of being something that we're not. It's important for us to first of all reflect on why do we feel that way, and why don't we feel that we're worthy, because that's what it is. It's about us feeling worthy about us going for that particular job? Do I have enough experience, first of all? Or is it that I'm confident without the competence? So there is a difference. If we start to look into imposter syndrome and us having the attributes, where is it that I sit within that? Am I confident with the competence or am I confident without the competence? Where I now say, "Mm, I feel like I'm a bit of an imposter. I felt like an imposter, even when I went into this new job, of what do, do they really want from me? Oh my God, what should I do? And so partly I may have felt like, when I started with all these great ideas, that we're not used to this confident woman coming in, and let's crush her down. And it was like, oh. So then maybe, oh no, it's not the right place, or it's not the right whatever. It's not that, it's owning, owning who you are. It's owning that to say, first of all, I do feel like I may not always feel confident, um, but I know that I'm competent and that if I go into that role, these are the areas that will help me to, to avoid that full imposter syndrome because it's about us feeling relaxed. Half the time, we don't feel relaxed, and that's why we feel that imposter. I'm not feeling, what am I doing up here right now? Should I be up here right now? Should I be doing something totally different. No, you've earned this. And when you sit there to say you've earned this, with your understanding and knowledge and wherever you're going in your career, that's when you start to become kind of more confident. And that goes for any area, anything that you're doing, it doesn't matter if you're a band five to a band eight D to the VSMs, it doesn't matter. It's knowing that you are working to the
0: highest point of what you're doing and that you're doing it well. I think that's key, isn't it? The really important thing that historically, as nurses, we're not particularly good at uh, celebrating our own achievements or putting ourselves forward for things. So um, how about things like seeking feedback from colleagues, Pippa? Can that help? Because then that can reinforce that I do know what I'm doing and I do deserve to be here.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Seek Feedback from those that you trust and those that you respect as well because that will help. The feedback's very difficult to receive. I will be one of the first people to say, oh, no, that makes me feel really bad that they've told me that I've done something wrong, and then we spend hours reflecting on it, don't we? Um, So feedback is absolutely brilliant. When it's a positive, it's great. When it's negative, it can really hit you. My best advice when you've received negative feedback is, I know it's really cliche, but honestly, just take the time, reflect, How can I do it better next time? Do I need to write a reflection? Do I need to redo that mandatory training and just refresh those skills? Do I then need to demonstrate to my line manager, actually, I've redone that mandatory training? So let's say that my ward manager catches me doing um, manual handling a bit rough and ready with those patients. They erase that with me. Well, you kind of grabbed that patient then, and I'm thinking, oh, I really didn't. I just tried to get them out of the chair. And that's how I was taught to do it quickly. But actually, they they are all right. I probably was a little bit rough with that patient, pulling them out of the chair, probably shouldn't have pulled them. I didn't do it properly. I'm at risk of injuring my own back. So how do I come through that? So we've reflected on it, do the mandatory training again, go back to the ward manager and say, this is what I've done to to improve myself. Because it is, and again, cliche as it is, is that continuous improvement. So receiving that feedback and then what do you do with it? If it's positive, that's fantastic. That will increase kind of like how you're feeling. Your ego will improve. You'll go, yeah, I'm really competent at my job. But it's that difficult one of receiving negative feedback.
0: Yeah, so it's about constructive criticism, criticism, sorry, isn't it? And like you said, reflecting on it. Because if someone's saying, oh, that's not necessarily the right way to do it. This is the way to do it. It's very easy, I think, isn't it, to take offence. But it's actually all about improving practice. And if we're not questioning practice and reflecting on things, because as everybody knows, healthcare is constantly changing. And again, for the newly registered nurses, we hear a lot that they'll be taught certain um, ways or theories in university. They'll go into placement. We've always done it that way is the answer when they raise queries. So what advice would you give, say, if I'm a newly registered nurse and I go into the workplace and I'm like, "Oh, how do I question um, more experienced nurses? Maybe if I see them doing something that I think could be done better, is there a particular way?
2: I think my best advice to everyone in the room is solution to the problem. So if I'm about to go to my line manager, and again, whatever position I'm in, if I go to my line manager, I've already got a proposed solution to that problem. Now, they might laugh at me and go, that will never work. We don't have the money for that. But actually, the, the aspect that I've thought and considered, what can we, over, what can we do to overcome those barriers So when I was a Band 5 nurse, I noticed that some of our patients never had toothpaste, and so we weren't always doing mouth care for our patients. So then I made this toothpaste campaign as a Band 5. I was newly registered, um, and I made sure that actually what we did, all of the toothpaste we had, before we gave it to patients, we put it in a medicine pot and we always had toothpaste there on now. all of our patients, we had that equipment. So it's those types of like, thinking that you'll have. So the question is, we don't have toothpaste for our patients, so I want all of our patients to have mouth care, so what do I do about that? It's a very simple solution to a problem that we were experiencing, again, with the patient at the heart of that care that we were giving. So that's just a really basic example. And, and each of you in this room have the power to do things like that. But again, it's about the confidence, it's about having that support around you that goes, go on then Pippa, crack on with it. (laughs) Um, And we don't always receive that. So again, it's about how we bring up those problems and how we suggest the solution. And the way that you're going to word that, you will need to think about because you don't want to insult your colleagues who for the last couple of years have been managing not to give mouth care to their patients. <laughs> um, and so you have to be really careful, again, of those relationships and creating insult. Um, but actually, most of the time, again, people reflect on it, going, oh, we haven't been doing mouth care for the last few years. She is right. Let's, let's get on board. And that's really, really important. So very, very simple story. Um, but each of you in the room can do things like that to improve care for our patients. Thank you. Would you agree with that, Julie, that confidence is needed to help
0: um, with quality improvement and things like that, so that nurses can say, put themselves forward, like you've just said, you see a problem, I'm going to try and give you the solution. Is confidence important? In that
1: sense, yes, confidence is really, really important um, for them to feel that their voices are heard. I've seen so many nurses that have been kind of beaten down that when they come to me, I'm the one saying to them, now, what you've just stated, we need to put that into a quality improvement project. Oh my God, all of a sudden I'm being seen. Yes, yeah. what you've said is relevant. Why did you think that you've got 20 years of nursing? You've come over here and why don't you think that's relevant? So it's important that when, they, when somebody comes with a new idea, I don't have all the ideas. I'm able to say, to support you, to say, yes, go forward. But not all the ideas are mine, but I will encourage you because you're showing me a lot of innovation and that you're, to a a degree, that person's been vulnerable. And by revealing, I have an idea about this. I've never said it for 20 years, but I think we could go forward in this this new area. Yes, I think you're right. it's about finding that voice. you go back to work tomorrow and you say to. So as much as we're saying what we're telling you today, you go back to work tomorrow and you say to your managers, right, I want to, I'd like to do this because I see an issue. They say, oh, hold on a minute. We're not doing that because we've not done that. And then the whole team says, we've not done that. So you then lose your, your voice. It's finding that right person who will hear you. And if you write up a good proposal to say, this is the reason why. Hold on a minute, I have to take that and say,
0: run with that, you've got something. Thank you very much, I think that's brilliant, bringing together quite a few elements of what we've discussed about using the evidence base, using your knowledge, making sure that, that you have that to back you up, going to the right person, and expressing yourself in the right way. Um, If I can just ask you, Julie, are there any particular groups who you think maybe um, the building of confidence applies to maybe, not more so than others, but some that struggle? I'm thinking of nurses who come from overseas here because they've come to a different country, different workplace. Everything is different, and that must be incredibly hard, trying to fit in with the workplace, having a, a new life. So for those nurses who, in particular, do you have any advice on how they... Can, uh, can build confidence so, so that they can do all the things that we've been discussing?
1: Yes, it can be very, very difficult coming into a new country and with all of your wealth of experience in your your, um, your home country and then coming over here um, and starting from, from the start, um, again, I would say it's about finding the right person that you feel safe with to talk to, ensuring that when you are working, that they do assign to you a mentor or a coach, ensuring that you do have one-to-ones or clinical supervision where you're able to voice these areas. Or we're not going to know. We'll just hear something in the pipeline or we'll see you in the corner with all the international nurses or whoever they are just speaking together and not feeling that they can come forward. It's having, within your workplace, if you think that, We don't have a representative for our um, international nurses actually saying, I feel like I could be able to help to settle these nurses because I've been through that particular journey. That's innovation. That's speaking up. That's about being confident. You may not have all the skills with it, but you're showing me that I can train you up so that you can support those um, nurses. And I think that's important.
0: Oh, absolutely. Thank you very much. And I think that brings us on to things like issues like leadership as well that we haven't really, we've just touched on a little bit. But do confident nurses make good leaders, I would say, for want of a better way of putting it, good leaders. But what kind of attributes do confident nurses show? So are they good communicators, good leaders, that kind of thing?
2: I mean, again, I think it links back to the competence element. So if you've got a brand new manager, they're still finding their feet. They're still going to have a bit of imposter syndrome. So you've just got to be a little bit mindful of that in their journey as well. Um, but actually, good leaders come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. And actually, it's about how we respond to that leadership as well. So, for example, you've got a really brash ward manager And I will struggle with that. Other people might feel very safe working under that brash ward manager. So they adapt very well to that style, me not so much. And one of the interesting things is when we think about someone like Elon Musk, and we're venturing far afield now, but actually, if you watch his employees, different people say different things about him. So some people say, absolutely not, can't work for him, left my job. And some people are like, he's brilliant, he has direction, he has conviction. And so I think actually sometimes leadership is about us finding the right leaders for us. um, And whether or not we agree with with how brash they are or how sensitive they are, for example, and where that fits in with us. So some of which will be fantastic communicators, some of which might be a little bit more quiet, how do you fit in with that mould? It's a really interesting one.
0: I I realise that the question itself is a bit strange because the words good leader just don't really... Because leadership, you know, like you say, from the moment you start your training as a nursing student to the day you retire, you can be a leader. And there are so many different qualities, aren't there, in styles, Julie, of leadership. So whether you're more of a compassionate leader, sometimes you might need to be a bit more directive, but what we hear a lot about is authentic leadership. What do we mean, Julie, by authentic leadership?
1: I think it's, 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 it's the, what's on the label. Authentic is that which is real. It's somebody who's not going to try and be something that's going to please me, but they are going to be authentic in who they are, in their whole character, um, for me to accept them. I think it also falls in line with what you said, Pippa, about different types of leaders, one may be a loud leader, one may be a quiet leader, it's you finding the right leader for you. Yeah, you know so it's not just about somebody who's being authentic to somebody who's being compassionate, to somebody who's been um, transversional. it's not about that, it's about what's the right leader for you that's going to bring out the best in you, even if you don't realize at that time, this person actually is going to bring out something good in me, because. I believe people come within our path to either help me to find some reason. So if I do have that very loud leader, I'm like, what's going on here? What is it in me why I don't like that? What is it in me why I don't like this quiet leader? Why do I need you to be so loud? I've got different nurses who are different types of leader, and I'm like, lovely. This person's very quiet. This one's really loud. This one's really bouncy. Perfect. I am the one that needs to learn to accept those individuals. Because we're talking about confidence. We're talking about people being authentic. Then I should be authentic. If you're an authentic leader, I should also be authentic to accept you as you are, that you're coming with your experience to tell me how I should do a particular procedure that's going to be the best for our patients. Because that's what it all lays down to at the end of the day. Irrespective of... How great I may be as a leader here is what I'm doing for my patients to ensure that they have got the equity and equality care that they
0: need. Thank you, and I think that's really important, isn't it, about the, the skill mix and the different types of people. Towards your end of the talk on leadership, Julie, I heard you say that you have all sorts of different nurses in your team and you want that skill mix and you want that diversity because everybody brings something that's different, right. don't they? Yeah. And also, that is, we talk a lot about culture. That sounds like exactly the kind of culture that you're looking for in an employer, in an organisation, somewhere that will support you, embrace you. And like you say, you could be incredibly competent, but very quiet, so you've got all of the skills. But say, for example, Pippa, if I am that competent, quiet nurse, and I want to go for a promotion, but I don't really know what to do, how can I approach that? So how does being confident help you in your career? So will it help you put yourself forward for a secondment, um, a quality improvement project, or a research project? So can it help boost nurses' careers as well as improve patient safety? That was a very long question, sorry. (laughs) Yeah,
2: no, absolutely, and my best advice is back yourself. Absolutely, you can do it. You are capable to do it. You will experience imposter syndrome. You will look at that job description and go, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, I don't meet it. But it's really important that you explore that avenue. So if there's any inkling in you that goes, oh, I really like that job then reach out to that, that contact that will be on that jobs list. Reach out to them, have a talk with them. And they might say, you're not quite ready yet. I advise you go for this job next and then you apply for this job. But actually there's no harm in reaching out, is there? So 100% back yourself. You have made it this far in your career. You have come through COVID. You've, you've really gone through it and, and that's just your career. That's not even talking about your life experiences. Back yourself. And Thank can I
1: just say something
2: mm. about that? way how the question is if you've got a quiet but
1: confident just because somebody competent sorry just because somebody confidence is not about being loud mm. that's that is not what it is so it's also about that leader having vision it's so important so if somebody comes i can look at one of my team i can see they're quiet i can see that they don't happily work hard in the corner but it's for me to have the the vision to say I can see what's in you because there was somebody that did that to me so it's about confidence is not about loudness confidence is about understanding and feeling um, validated to a certain degree but it's not about being loud
0: and I think that's key, isn't it? Because it's not about being the loudest person in the room. Or, and you both said earlier that you could have someone who is confident but completely not competent, incompetent, not any good at what they do. So that would, I would imagine, fall into the overconfident um, sort of realm. And I think that that's another issue, isn't it, for nurses, that perhaps sometimes... I don't know, is anybody here worried about coming across as overconfident or aggressive if you're seen as too... And there's a lot around that um, in nursing as well. I think nurses are afraid of being seen as aggressive if they're confident. But it's it's a completely different thing, isn't it?
2: Yeah, Yeah, I think when we think about the word challenge, so, you know, we're going to challenge our colleagues, it might be our medical colleagues. I think really, and this probably links very well into what you were saying, it's the way in which it's done... So it's the words that I'm using, my tone of voice, am I coming across threatening to you or not? The difficulty is with our colleagues is that we each hold our own perception. So I might feel that how I spoke to you was absolutely fine, but you might feel that I didn't speak to you very well. And that's really interesting as well. So there's so many elements to it in terms of challenging our colleagues. I don't quite like the term challenge at all. I much prefer the word discuss, I'd be like, no, I'm just discussing this with you quickly. So I would never say, no. I'm about to challenge you. I'd just be like, oh, I just need to discuss this with you. It's a much better frame of reference. And it also, it doesn't allow that person on the receiving end to feel threatened. Yeah, because I'm not challenging you. I'm just discussing this with you.
0: That's key, isn't it? Because challenge by itself is quite a confrontational word, isn't it? If you're going to challenge someone, it's almost like you're going into battle with them, isn't it? So it's quite, can have negative connotations, really. So can I just check at this point, does anybody have any questions? Oh, do we have a microphone? Just bear with me one minute. He's going to bring your microphone so everyone can hear. Just this lady at the front here, please. Thank you.
3: My experience, it's good to receive feedback. But whatever my experience, being a student when I was in a clinical placement, negative feedback actually put me off. And I lose my confidence. When somebody was trying to be like giving me constructive feedback, it always like, you know, bring me like, oh, I can do it. Which I feel like if you create a culture and that helps the student, like, you know, because I feel like no one like, you know, born with skills, we develop. Yeah. And everyone when like being a student or as a nurse, you always willing to learn. But they way you get receive them. Sometimes yeah. you feel like, oh, I'm fine. I don't want to ask. Yeah. Um, so can we just like do something to create a culture within, like you know? So, so
0: yeah. I, thank you very much. I think the key there is in communication and communication styles. And like we've been saying, it's how that feedback is communicated to you. And that I think I don't know whether you'd agree with me that is a skill in itself of how to deliver and how to accept feedback. So, like you say, it's done in a way to improve things, but it's perfectly natural, I think, isn't it, to feel a little bit wounded if we've had negative feedback. So, um, what, what would you say? to how is it about the delivery? And no disrespect to the person who you're talking about there, because we don't know who they are, but perhaps that person didn't deliver the feedback to you in the way that was
2: helpful for you. I've got the best. Story to share with you actually that comes on to that because I'm not an expert in feedback at all and I find it very difficult to receive feedback but when I was newly qualified we had a senior sister on the ward I won't name any names but everyone loved her and I never quite understood why and I was always like everyone loves her don't know why one day I made a medication error it's a true story I made a medication error I, I did and I walked up to her and you know that, that walk, that dread that you do and you think, oh my goodness, the, you know, the ground needs to open up. And I went over and I said, sister, I've, I've made a mistake. And she looked at me and she, she could have said, she could have absolutely ripped me to shreds. And she goes, is the patient okay? I said, yeah, that's okay. You won't do it again. That's all it was. That's all it was. I tell you what, I never made that mistake again. Um, But it's so poignant to me. At that moment, I knew why she was so special and why everyone loved her. She wasn't there to rip you down. She knew that I'd already ripped myself down. And so it was, it's okay, you won't do it again. And I'll never forget, and I'll never forget her. She was such a a poignant person in my career. And it's an interesting story, really. But, and, yeah.
0: and this is where the good role models and yeah. the good the good leaders and when we say good leaders, like we're saying, it's those who exhibit the qualities of being authentic, being compassionate, and, and uh, all of those things that we're talking about. Those are the ro- look those role models. Really, yeah. we need. Absolutely. It makes me laugh actually because I similar experience when i was a newly registered nurse because i was a cardiac nurse when i was practicing and i made a drug error and i'm starting to shake now just thinking Thinking about about it It. i walked up to my manager and he was exactly the same as is the the patient okay yep Mm, okay fine don't worry we'll do it it's fine it's fine because i was practically in tears and i was shaking and did i ever make that mistake again never so I think <laughs> there's a lot to learn from that, isn't there? But um, it's, uh, thank you very much for that. Do we have any other further questions? Where's, where's the mic? Oh, there he is. Hello. Thank you.
4: Yeah, uh, I'm Agnes. Uh, what I have realized is uh, the nurse-nurse relationship is appalling in our career. Just that... Sorry, what was the that? N- the, nurse-nurse the, relationship. You know, we have uh, a lot of nurse. social relationship, uh, doctor-nurse relationship, patient-nurse relationship. But what I'm saying is the nurse-nurse relationship is very appalling. In, in what way? We, Just how people treat each other, Julie. Yes. Okay. Nurses. Julie. Like we're talking, you will never see a nurse, I mean a doctor, you know, the, the, the way they move about doing their work you never see them commenting about one another, but we nurses. nurses. Yeah. It's, it, it's even like uh, I've a, 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 a decided to resort to one-to-one nursing. And I try to always explain, because I've done nursing 15 years in my country, I've done nursing 21 years in this country. And I'm do, uh, like I said, I had to move to one-to-one. And you go to the world, just like the day before yesterday, we tried to explain, you know, th- th- there's a nurse in charge, that you are uh, R.M.N. Uh, you know, one-to-one with the patient. Now, I just explained that uh, I've taken the temperature before, and because we are there, when there's uh, the need for uh, restraining, we go in for the, uh, to restrain. So it's, it's always not good to be getting in contact with them very frequently. So please can you take the temperature for me? Are you not a nurse? I try to explain to her that look here. I'm here to I mean, to observe the patient and to prevent aggression and all that to help.
2: So yeah.
4: just temperature,
0: no no no, you are a nurse. You are one to one to that patient. So I don't know, there's a lot. Thank you. So uh, th- this is about how nurses treat each other. Can I hand yeah. that one to you, Julie?
1: I think that, that that's very similar to what the other lady said in the, uh, the previous, when I was doing the talk. And that really troubles me because I know that it's secondary care. I'm not even asking. I know it's secondary care that this is happening in. Um, and it's, it, it is about having that right leader, it's about having the right leader. If the right leader is there, then when you, you feel like you're lost already. Your, your ideas are already lost. It's a waste of time, and it makes it very, very hard. And when you're questioned in front of a, uh, the patient with the other nurse, it doesn't make you... It's like, I'm already looking down on you because I'm, questioned. I'm doing this in front of the patient. So it takes your confidence away. I think that on reflection, hearing this twice now, that we need to do a bit of an, uh, a review of what is going on in these wards. Why? Why nurses feel like nurses are against each other and they are not supporting each other. We need to do a bit of a quality improvement project on that because this is coming up too many times and this yeah. one within 40 minutes, I've heard it twice. So if I do go around, I'm sure there's gonna be a lot of you. If I had my mentee meter here, I'm sure I would have seen it shoot to the top. Now that is not good, and I think that it's not something that we will be able to resolve now. But it's something that we could start to implement
0: within time. So, do you think it's about exploring the issues, and like you say, really explore the issues? Yes, this is an issue. Do you think um, short staffing is playing an issue? Because obviously, areas are so short. Yeah, no, it, but areas are very short-staffed, and when everyone's short-staffed... Yeah. yeah.
4: You are a nurse. Are you not a nurse? <laughs> are you not a nurse? Why don't you... That's your patient. I said, I haven't brought a patient from my house when I was coming. I only came to take care of a patient. But I, I, still, I, I, I try to explain that, you know, with, 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 with the mental health nursing, we are always there. You know, sometimes for you to, uh, 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 when, when it becomes uh, this thing, you go on to restrain. So it's not very uh, uh, good that you always get in contact with them. You, so I've already taken the temperature, now they're saying there were uh, disparities. So again, then I said the care assistant, assistant she, they told the care assistant not to take uh, the temperature, that they should let me take the temperature. It was like a
0: fight. To be very frank, we are suffering. You need to really come into... Thank you. Thank you very much. I think what you've touched on there is hugely important. And what we're talking about from what it sounds like from your experience is respect. Respect and dignity. Having a go at someone or criticizing them in front of a patient and all of that. It happened to me when I was working on the ward. I could feel my face burning because I was so embarrassed because I was made to look incompetent in front of a patient. But it wasn't me that was at fault, I think, in that situation, it was my manager for doing that to me. And there are good and bad managers, and I'm sure we've all had bad managers. But I think that this this is a big issue, like Julie was saying, this is a culture issue, isn't it? Were you? Yeah, I
2: have a phrase that I use, I've used ever since I was a student nurse, patients easy, colleagues hard. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> patients, if you actually think about it, very rarely do your patients misbehave, they kind of stay in line, <laughs> that they're quite responsive to their treatment, they're doing well, they're, you get on with them. And that's what we're trained to do. But we're lacking something, aren't we? We're trained to do well for our patients We have a good relationship with them majority of the time, but not with each other. I've had some really difficult times with colleagues. My best advice is to be the nice one. And there's something even within safe staffing as well that I talk about, about reputation of your areas, and reputation of yourselves. So it's really important that when someone comes to your area, you can come to me. You might find me at the nurse's station. If not, I'm looking after As A to C today, but come and find me if you need anything. And it's just about being gentle that kind of coaching, coaxing element, but it's certainly absolutely unacceptable the way that we speak to each other sometimes. Don't get me wrong. Mm. Sometimes it's difficult scenarios. And actually, as much as I'd like to be nice, if there's a cardiac arrest, you'll see a very different side of me. But actually, we'd all understand that, wouldn't we? If you spoke to me poorly, like, in a cardiac arrest, have you not called 222 yet? I've asked you to. Mm. You know, then I would understand why you've said it in that tone. But just what you're saying it's it's not okay and i think we need to start with ourselves actually that's um, behavior breeds behavior
0: yeah yes absolutely and and this is the thing sometimes um, what your experience can be used as a positive experience because you could look at that and go, "I will never behave never. like you. No. I'm not going to be like you." Because it's and it's how that's that quote about how that we use with patients. It's how they feel. They'll remember how they okay. felt. It's the same for us. We're all human beings. And just to add before we um, close, we've only got a couple of minutes left. But don't forget that with raising concerns, if you are being treated poorly in the workplace, raise those concerns. Absolutely. If you can't go to your direct line manager ward manager go above them yep. go to the chief nurse if you have to yep. every area should have in the nhs in nhs trust a freedom to speak up guardian they uh, you can truly was saying before the more this will be out in the open and the more we can start looking at how we can improve uh, things for everybody so i'm ever so sorry but we do have to bring it to a Close there, but huge thanks to Julie and to Pippa and to all of you and I hope that was useful. Thank you very much. Thanks very much for listening. I hope you picked up some good tips about how you can build your confidence in the workplace. I think my key takeaway messages are there really is no such thing as a silly question. How important reflection is in nursing and that wherever you work and whatever your role, you have earned the right to be there and that you should celebrate your success. Thank you.